Welcome to the Stanley Street Social Podcast presented by MAP. My name is Alex Clements and I'm here with uh, Campbell Flakemore and the fastest man in the world, would you say? Yeah, I'd agree. Thanks. <laughs> How you doing? Good, thanks. Yeah. Should you maybe introduce the, the guest, his name? His name's right. Caleb Ewan. He's just come off the back of two stages at Tool Down Under. He's moving at the moment and he's also got a bit of an objection to the last podcast we did of season two. I know that needs to be in another podcast. I need to re-listen to it and make some notes. You, I don't have it stored in my head. What are you going to come back? Yeah, I'll come back. That's, that's, that's supposed to be another podcast. Okay. I just want to give my uh, my experience. Yeah, we'll get well. So in the podcast, if if you haven't listened to it, it's Campbell, myself, and Tom Hamilton all had got jobs. We'd finished cycling, and it was a chat about what we thought of of the sport, looking back on it, how we felt about it, our approach to it, and we talked about how Tom hated it, and he was back at work, and he was he was pretty happy himself talking about um, working ninety hours when he got back. <laughs> Versus Campbell taking a couple of years off to sort out what he really wanted to do. And you, what's in alternate views? No, my, my, obviously I haven't finished cycling, so I can't comment on what it's going to be, what it's like after you finish. But I just had different opinions on the, um, the thoughts about when you're actually in the sport and the balance, the life balance of, being a cyclist and living a normal life. But then again, everyone's different. But I don't want anyone to have... What, what, was, your, what was your approach? Um, under 23 or un, even under 19s, you're doing European stints. Under 19s, under 23s to pros. Well, what do you, you guys were with me the whole time I was under 23, so you would know. You, yeah, probably, you probably have more of an opinion on... or probably watched it, how maybe I acted compared to... Other guys, you got some thoughts, but ah, oh, well, yeah, I've I've used the example on a number of occasions. The time where everyone just went inside because it was raining, and you went out and did the efforts that we're all meant to do, <laughs> and that that was kind of a the summary of how it played out, and you know, it worked for you. But what about like the um, like my life balance compared to my life cycling kind of balance? This is a number of years ago now, Caleb. I don't remember all the ins and outs, but I, I remember that you, in the second year of twenty threes, you lived by yourself to like simulate what it was like being a pro. So your your mindset was already, what does it take to be a professional before you were professional? Yeah. So and you're winning stages of the Tour de France. You're one of those like point one percent of the people that like are really doing well in the sport. So maybe there's something in that. And I think that's kind of what yeah. you were getting at with your your kind of alternate view. I just so. want I just want there to be no mistake that to to make it as a professional, like it's, it's a major it's a it's majority hard work, yeah. and not um, not that you guys were advocating it like we we spoke about before, but just. You can't like go out and if you're like an up and coming cyclist, you can't go out like every second day and not that you're saying that, but like it's to make it, it is always a majority hard work 
and dedication to the sport, but then you well you do you do need a a little bit of a balance. You can't like it'd be suffocating if you're just all in yeah. cycling. Some guys can do it. Some guys don't need a balance. Like that's all they 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 live and breathe it, and that's all they do. Um, but I don't know. I I think I've got a good good balance between riding and and living a normal life, but. Yeah, everyone's everyone's different, but it is. I have to say, when it comes back down to it, it's always the people that work the hardest uh, are the ones that that would make it. Yeah, I think Caleb was a lot more mature than the rest of us. Like the example you gave before with the apartment, moving out, setting things up. It was it was maybe not that you didn't let yourself treat yourself to a bowl, a bowl of wine every now and then, but it was more. Priority number one was cycling, was yeah. getting the apartment sorted, was getting your training sorted. And if you had time for everything else, it was like, yeah. yeah I, I'd, still, I'd still go out with you guys and we would drink those jugs of wine when we, when we went out for dinner. And like, I still, I still did a lot, but just, I think you just need to know when enough is enough. And as long as you can make that kind of line clear, then, then you're good to go. Yeah. If it doesn't take over, because when you're growing up, becoming a cyclist or becoming probably any athlete you go through a period where you know when you're going through your teens through your early 20s most of your other friends that aren't athletes they're having a lot of fun and drinking and kind of yeah it's probably probably the the funnest time of your life before you really have to settle down into a job and do whatever but where already as as athletes you you have to kind of miss out on all that mm. And you have to prioritize your, yeah, your sport over having fun and living that kind of like fun life. And I think a lot of guys feel they're missing out too much and then they end up quitting. Like how many guys have we rode with or do we ride with as juniors and everything that they don't ride anymore? Because a lot of people feel like they've, they've missed out. But even before we got to the under 23 stage, like think about all the guys in under 15, 17s that were so good. And then all of a sudden, you never hear of them, hear of them ever again. And I think that's like, if I could look back at my career is pretty short so far, but if I can look back at like the hardest time, it would probably be that time when everyone else is having fun and you feel like you're all you're doing is yeah either you know going to school and then after school you're training and that's your whole life, and you're missing out on like all this fun stuff. And that's probably the hardest part to get through, I think. Mm. I guess if you just got to decide whether it's for you or not, yeah. that's what it comes down to. Yeah. What do you reckon? Was that, that's probably, do you reckon it was like one of the hardest parts? Like getting through that stage? Yeah. I think when you when I started to, I, like as a junior, kind of so in your own little world, like, yeah, I'm just going to be a pro, like to just be sweet, like no worries. And then when it starts to become a bit of a reality of, uh, all my mates are at home having fun. Cycling might not work out. Like, geez, there's a lot of good riders over there. That's when it started to become a bit like, oh, mm. this is a bit trickier than when you're 17 or 18, you're riding, you're going well, everything's going great. When things get tough, um, I reckon that, that was the harder part. Caleb yeah. never really ran into any of those barriers. No, was... but when you go to Europe and <laughs> win your first race, which you shouldn't have won... <laughs> Which, oh yeah. Reggie Otto. Reggie Otto. Yeah. 
But you were there with me when we first went pro. Like we first went pro and yeah, no, was that pretty, was grim for you. To be fair, that was, was a pretty, real rough patch as well. Yeah, it's yeah. always, and as long as you can ride out those hard moments and just like I'm happy. I never got to the point where I really like wanted to quit or anything, but it was like an eye opener. Like shit, this is it's gonna be grippy for a little bit. Yeah, it's like you think because you've gone to Europe already and like you're like yeah, I've been there for seven months already. Like. Now I'll be here a bit longer, but it'll be fine. But you don't realize how much support you actually have until you're really left on your own. And I think that's, we both found it the, the same. Like we actually had so much support from the AIS that when we got left on our own, it was like, you have to grow up like super quick. Yeah. And we were only, like I was only 20, I think when, when I first moved there. So I was still pretty young. And then, yeah all of a sudden you have to basically be an adult because, and, and plus you're in a country that doesn't, you don't speak the language and you're in a completely foreign place as a 20 year old and you have to sort your shit out. Plus you have to perform as well. Like we're in world tour teams. You have to perform in one of the hardest sports at the highest level. Plus you've got all that stuff going on, all your sorting your life out on the side. It's uh first years probably, yeah, as you know as well, it's bloody, it's tough. So how that, does that, how does that first year compared to, a, I guess, a different challenge, that first year of, like you said, working everything out to that last year when you signed with Lotto, changed teams, you're the main man, a lot of pressure. Yeah, there's more, there's more pressure. Like when you're a Neo Pro, there's, there's some expectation on you to do well, but if you don't, you're still in the O-Pro and you've still got time and um, anything you win is kind of like a bonus. So um, as far as like the the sporting side of it, there's, there's not as much pressure on you. You think there is because you're young and you're in the world tour and you want to do well. But um, when you look back on it now, there probably wasn't that much pressure on you. But yeah, now it's like real, real pressure. <laughs> like I actually you're actually paid to win and that's, you have to win and big, like the whole organization's relying on you to, to get results. I think I got like 50% of Lotto's wins last year. So it's a fair chunk of, of the results relying on just me. So, um, yeah, it's a different type of pressure, but the, like where I am in my life now is much easier than when I was, first in EO Pro because now I have like a lot more structure in my life I've grown up a lot since then I'm married now baby just like my personal life is I have to say is like really good like I'm I feel like I'm really on top of it and and that means that I can really focus on my writing and and that's all I have to focus on um whereas back then it was a bit harder you're really trying to you're still young so you're really trying to figure out like who you are and what all kind of young people go through. Plus you have to perform at a pretty high level as well. How much difference do you think it makes? Like obviously when you both turn pro, you're both never really lived out of home besides like the little AIS thing we had, both single, both didn't have families over there. How, how much difference does that make in terms of you being able to just dial in on your performance? What it, 
What do you mean, like? Like in terms of that having like that structure that you have around you now, mm. compared to when you have nothing, how much difference does that make? Well, makes a yeah, it makes a pretty pretty <laughs> big difference. Um, I don't know. Would you say like we were basically in the same boat? Like we were both yeah, single and riding and trying to figure it out on our own. We were both young. I found it was really lonely a lot of the time. Um, you, know, you get back from a race, you go back to your apartment and yeah, it's just you. Mm. Just, it's kind of just like, like, and everyone's different, but like, it's so nice now coming home to a wife and a daughter. And if you, yeah, if you have a win or even if you don't have a win, but you know, there's always someone to, to celebrate with and you can share those moments with someone. Whereas, when you're by yourself, you maybe you come home from from a win or, or a race and you have no one to share it with. And that's hard as well because very it's yeah, it can be very lonely. Mm. We talk about the Schultze example a lot. The guy that's slightly different, doesn't have family over there now, but he just like threw himself into every scenario he was challenged with and that's why he's so good, is he's he probably wasn't the most talented person on paper when we were under 19s, but just had this ability just to absorb it all. Mm. Mm. I think now that he's he's made it to the world tour, he would look back on his experience and um, and be thankful for it. And maybe he wasn't at the time because it was like a harder way to get to where he is. But now he speaks probably like three languages <laughs> and like, and just, yeah, he's very European. And that's another thing you have to, if you can really like thrive in the culture there, then it makes your life a lot easier. If you're a person that's there and you just can't wait to get back to Australia at the end of the season, then it makes your whole time there not enjoyable. Mm. Like oh, now, now I feel so set up there and it really feels like home that I, I always enjoy coming back to Australia. But then I get to about now where I've been here for a month or six weeks and I can't wait to get back as well and just because it feels like home. Whereas if you never really make it feel like home, then it's hard to, it's hard to stay there because you're there for 10 months of the year at least. And I think he's definitely made the, he's definitely made Europe feel like home. He's learned language and he's really yeah, thriving in the culture, I think. Mm. Cool. So yeah. on like a slightly less heavy topic, tour down under. Yeah. How are you feeling going to Sunday, the pre-crit to Tour Down Under? Um, I was feeling a little bit, so like a bit of background then again, it's like I did the tour that went really well. Um, I came home, then I had my newborn baby with me and I was speaking to Flakey about this just before and it was like, it sounds bad, but Anything that I did after the tour was going to be second behind it. Mm. Like if I, if I didn't do anything for the rest of the year, my year was still so successful just because I did well at the tour. So it was hard for me. You know, I came back and I had a newborn baby at home and I wanted to spend time with her. I'd already spent yeah two months away from her, basically. I wanted to spend time with her. I wanted to spend time with my wife and enjoy having a baby. 
Um, I was training as well, but I was also doing my fair share of dad duties and that made it hard to train. And I basically the rest of the year I went pretty average. I pulled out a tour of Germany. I actually, I got second in Hamburg, which was good. Pulled out a tour of Germany, pulled out of Ride London. And then I won actually, um, my last race of the season, which was, I have to say it was a little bit of a fluke just the way the sprint played out and it was a tough race, but like I still had to do some, like obviously I had to do the work to be able to be in that position to win. But, um, I definitely was nowhere near my, my Tour de France form. So I, I ended the season like on a little bit of a high, but I knew that, yeah, I was lucky that race and that since the tour, I hadn't really been performing anywhere near my top form. Like I felt like I was riding around in bloody mud for the rest of the season. Um, and then I had like, I finished 10th of September, something like that, like early September. And then my next race wasn't till down under. So it's like six months, mm. almost six months, five, six months without racing, which is ages. a really long time. Um, had quite a big off season. Then I was like getting back into it. And then I had like a few different things like the race I did in China and the six day and just all this like little stuff that meant that I just like couldn't get into a routine again with, the, with my training and everything. But then, yeah, eventually I got into a routine. I went to training camp here uh, in, um, in back in Europe. And then, yeah, I started to get back into routine. I started training really well again. Um, but then, yeah, I got to, to an under now and I didn't know how I was going to go because I haven't raced in five or six months. Um, and it's always hard to tell when you just come off training uh, so I was going in there slightly worried because firstly, I didn't know if my form was going to be where it needed to be. And secondly, as a sprinter, you rely so much on your instincts and kind of be like your race smarts. And after so long out of racing, I thought maybe like I'd lost it a little bit and it was going to take some time to come back. But then as well, I had like, I didn't have much pressure on me from the team and they knew it was my first race back after a long time. So then I got to go in there a little bit more relaxed, but, um, yeah, the first crit went went really well. I won by a fair bit. Hey, you torched them. Yeah, so that gave me that gave me a bit of confidence, well, a lot of confidence that yeah I could still be there and I still had that kind of race instinct. Um, and going in there, I think because I was worried about where I'd be, um, I, I felt like. Oh, maybe I'd even talked myself out of it a little bit. Like I didn't really want to be at racing, but then yeah, 20 minutes into the race, like I felt good and I felt, felt happy to be back and, and in the bunch and racing. And so, um, yeah, I enjoyed the week and it, yeah, helps when you do well as well. Do we like a little bit, like, I don't know how this is going to go when you, Roger dropped you off into that last corner. You like, by that point you were like, no, nah, I'm good. Well, I didn't know what Roger was doing because he started losing the wheel and then I just thought he couldn't hold the wheel anymore. So then I jumped around him and then there was probably a few lengths, bike lengths gap between me and I think Philipson. When I just ran at the wheel and I was coming with a fair bit of speed and it was probably a little bit earlier than I was supposed to start sprinting. But at that point, like you just can't stop. You just have to, if you've got that much speed, you just have to keep going. Um, and then in the end, yeah, I think I probably surprised them a little bit and I came past pretty fast. And then when it's 200 meters ago, it's hard to get that ground back. So 
Yeah. And then Roger told me after that he was planning on laying off the wheel and running at it himself, but he probably was. But at that time, you just kind of, yeah, your instincts take over and just go for it yourself. Mm. That um, your relationship with Roger started at Mitchell and Scott mm. and then he came to Lotto with you. How's that developed over time? Like, is he and your confidence in him and your ability to trust him in a scenario like that because your race is depicted by how he delivers you? Yeah. Yeah, I rely on him a lot. And, uh, yeah, most of the time he delivers. Um, obviously, there's some times where it doesn't work out. Like the other day when into Victor Harbour, I didn't know he was going to do a lead out. And then he did like, he just ripped like such a good lead out and then he let out Nizzolo and Nizzolo won. So obviously I would have liked to have been on his wheel and I didn't know he was going to do it. So um, yeah, there's always times like that where we probably could communicate a bit better, but most of the time he, uh, he puts me where I need to be and he puts me there like super smoothly. So I can, um, yeah, I can do the job that I need to do. Mm. So he's pretty, he's pretty reliable. And I get on with him very well, kind of like, yeah, I guess like brothers in a way, but he's more like, I don't know, more like a dad or yeah. <laughs> he's a bit older than me. Um, and he's massive. Yeah, he's massive, yeah. So yeah, no, he's he's probably one of the best wheels to follow in the bunch. Why is he so good? He's so big, so mm. smooth. Like you probably rarely see him out of the seat, like sprinting or panicking just like in the seat so smooth just so so easy for me to follow him but yeah stage one first world tour bunch gallop of the year yeah how'd that go bad i was um i think i was like 35th wheel okay to go and then i managed to get up to seventh but yeah it was just fairly new team that we had there and we hadn't worked together so much yet um the crit the few days before we didn't really do a lead out it was just when you're in a circuit like that once you're in position you're in position but a big long straight run in is pretty different and we were just a little bit too early we were on the front quite yeah yeah just way too early we ran out of guys and then we probably panicked a little bit and then we ended up way too far back um but yeah, that wasn't ideal. But again, it's sprinting. Sometimes you stuff it up. Mm. And you just try not to so much. Any thoughts, Cambo? Nah, got nothing to add. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sam Bennett took the win. Did you see where? How did your confidence go from that initial spike to Jesus? That was good on Sunday to not really getting the opportunity to sprint um, stage one. Yeah, I mean, it's, I didn't know how Sam was going because he didn't sprint on, on the Sunday either. Um, I think the only comparison that I could kind of have was how much he beat Phillips and by when he won the first stage compared to how much I beat Phillips and by when I won the crit. So it's still... I mean, I still had confidence because it wasn't like I got beaten in the sprint. It was just I couldn't sprint from where I couldn't win the sprint from where I was at, and uh, so it's not like a big blow to your confidence. Like I mm. still knew I was, I still knew I was in good shape. I still knew I was 
sprinting well. So, yeah, it didn't blow my confidence too much. It would be nice to win, but um, if anything, it's like you just want to win the first stage so then you relax for the rest of the mm. tour. It's just like, yeah, if I've won one stage, then, yeah, whatever happens now, it's like at least I've got a stage win. Whereas if you're always chasing it, and then it just gets like more stressful. What does the team do after a team performance that goes like that? Mm, we debrief it. We like look at videos and, and debrief it. Um, yeah. I don't think anyone was happy with the, mm. the performance. Um, but I mean, it was, it, you need to look at it and you, you need to know that it wasn't through a lack of trying. It was just the way we did it was, was wrong and we just need to fix it. So it's much worse if you've got a team that's not motivated to help you and, or guys that don't have the form to help you. So we have like, we have a bunch of strong guys. We just probably weren't thinking about it as much as we, we should have. So if we can just, yeah, go through it and see what we did wrong. And as long as everyone knows what to do next time, then it's all good. Yeah. You really, yeah. Stage two was, had a lumpy finish. We backing yourself in there from the get go. Yeah. I knew if the, if the circuits weren't too hard, I'd be able to do it. And yeah, it was probably one of the easiest Sterlings I've ever done. Sterling circuits. I think we did, I think we did like all up maybe around four laps. Um, but yeah, they went easy the first time up. Then they went really hard the second time up. Then the third time was pretty cruisy up like the, the main climb in that circuit. Um, and then the last time was hard just because yeah, it was the last time everyone wants to be in position. And so that was tough, but overall, like it was, it was pretty, pretty easy as far as Sterling stage goes. Usually it's, it's a bit harder. Um, and then, yeah, I felt, I felt good in the sprint. It's hard to tell because you never know. Like, obviously I'm not, I'm not getting to that sprint fresh. Like it's, mm. it's a hard sprint for, or yeah, it's a hard sprint for any sprints to get to. So I felt like I was suffering a bit, but you never know how much the other sprinters are suffering. But in the end, I think they were suffering a bit more than me because they, yeah, they weren't sprinting so good. I think Sam kind of stopped after he started and then <laughs> Philipson, did, yeah, wasn't doing a, a really good sprint. Mm. Um, but yeah, I felt quite good and I won by a fair bit. So I was happy with that. Is that your favourite kind of finish? Yeah. Do you reckon you're like enjoying those more than like a filthy 65 hour, 65k an hour bunch kick? Yeah, they're a little bit easier to, to position yourself in. And usually on a, an uphill finish, it's strung out a fair bit. It's not really bunched up. So then like my problem sometimes in the sprint is I get boxed in or and that's really frustrating when you can't actually sprint. But like an uphill finish, you usually... Yeah. You get some clean air. Yeah, you can usually get, like, it's usually easy to get clean air. And plus my size is, like... Comes into it. Yeah, it's much easier for me to get to a finish like that than Gripple, for example. Um, so, yeah, I get to the sprint like that a bit bit fresher than some of the bigger guys. But, yeah, I'd say if I have to choose, 
they're harder to win because like they're physically harder to yeah. win. But yeah, I guess I'm, they suit me. So yeah, a flat sprint's easier to win, uh, easier. Like you don't feel as tired after a flat sprint, but after a sprint like that, you feel pretty exhausted. Yeah. But you clean, again, you, it took you back to Sunday and you put lengths into them. So yeah. Yeah, 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 it gave me the confidence again, and it gave me a bit of like a bit of more relaxed kind of feelings the rest of the week because don't yeah, be chase, like chasing your tail and risking yeah. your life into Victor Harbour to try and win a stage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's like last year um, down under. It took me until yeah the fifth stage. It was like the last sprint opportunity. I still hadn't won on my new team, and yeah, hadn't won anything. And then eventually, I did cross the line first, but then. Yeah, got disqualified. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a bit annoying, but Whoops. at least I proved to the team that like, I could still win. But Yeah. Do you still count that? Do you reckon you count that as a win? You're like, I, I won I that. can't really, but... <laughs> on paper. Oh, on paper, I, Like no. last year when we were talking about wins, I do say to the team, like, should have been 11, but it was only 10. <laughs> but, not um, salty about it. Hey? You're not salty about it? No, not really. No. I mean, I went... Not after what came next. Yeah. yeah. After what came next, it was fine. If that was when we our only result for the year, then I'd probably be a bit annoyed. But um, I don't think any Twitter and under wins were going to make a mention in the results I had for the rest of the year. So, What's um, the record amount? Who's got the most wins in the TDU? Sure, you're keeping tabs on that record. Yeah. Gripple has got 18. Jeez. <laughs> 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 I've got nine now. Yeah. I've got maybe another 10 years of my career to go. So. Yeah. As long as I can pick up a stage, just get bits year, and pieces every year for the next ten years, that I should be alright. But maybe you can talk to Stewie O'Grady about getting a nice parkour for you. Yeah, <laughs> six we bunch should. gallops, <laughs> all slightly uphill. I think it should be one year they should should have a sprint to win again, but yeah, they'll never do it. Have the have the finish on the bottom of bottom of Olunga. That'd be nice. It's like when Grafa won it, it's finish on the bottom, but won't happen. Cycling's getting too hard now. They're making the courses harder and harder. So yeah, less and less opportunities for us sprinters. But that's what it is. Is that a trend throughout everywhere? Yeah, it seems like it. Like the voltage, <laughs> they just don't have sprints anymore. <laughs> they just don't care. The, the Giro is probably and the only one that like, there's a fair few sprints still. Um, the Tour. But then also they put like 5,000 meter climbing days in between yeah, everything. They make it like very extremes. They have like pan flat days and then... Yeah, 5,000 meter climbing days. So the tour usually used to be like always like at least yeah, like good amount of sprints. But this year it's it's pretty tough again. So um, yeah, it seems like less and less sprints, but that's the way it is. You have to take the opportunities when they come and that's that. Stage three in the Paracomb. First time I really got to see the um, climbers open up their lungs. Do you just ride the stage? What, what, what no, do you, didn't you see? No, him. he backed like, himself like, in, man. He was top yeah. 10 wheels at the bottom of the climb in the Oka. Top 10. I was on, Rich, respect I was on, the Rich, I was on Richie's wheel at the bottom of Paracomb. Respect hey, that jersey, Definitely man. wasn't on his wheel at the top of Paracomb, but I was there at the bottom. I kept running into the back of him, actually. I kept apologizing. Sorry, Richie. <laughs> <laughs> Is that running filthy as? Yeah, but if you're a good going through the bunch, then it's not. Which you bad. are. Yeah. <laughs> so so was he top, top. 10% in the world tour bunch in the riding. bunch. Yeah. 
Mm. Yeah, I guess so. Who's the best that you've that you've seen? The best in the bunch. To just to, to just like, oh my god, how does this guy just like surf it? Just he's always there, and when he's not there, he'll get there quickly. Sagan, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like people, it's like God coming through. Just, Is it? Yeah. People <laughs> just move, ooh. move out of the way. <laughs> He gets Hard away with it. He gets a, he gets away with a lot, Peter. Um, yeah, but yeah, as you get more respect in the bunch, and it's easier to move through the bunch. Yeah, no People, doubt. You know, if you touch someone and they like look look back to see who it is, and maybe if they see it's you, then like All right, I'll give them some room. Whereas maybe there's like a uni essay going through, and they touch someone, the person will look and just close the door on them. So of course, it's easier when you have a little bit more respect in the bunch to to move through it. So that would be why Sargon gets gets through the bunch quite easy because if he nudges you on the bum and you look back and it's him, you're probably not going to close the door on him. Mm. So I yeah. might. But do you give give good respect to the UniSA boys, Caleb? You were one of those boys once upon a time. Yeah. Do you, you know you try and tell you know you're a bit of a a big man in the peloton? Do you set the example to try and, you know, say to the other pros, hang, hang on, these guys are allowed to be in the race. I was there once. Um, Lucas Hamilton was there once. Durbo, you know, a lot of good guys have well, ridden as UniSA. I think everyone in the peloton was in their shoes at some stage. Yeah. So everyone should give them respect. Um, <laughs> but. But. <laughs> no, I mean, it's just... If I see it's them and then, yeah, I'll give them respect. But a lot of the guys won't. Like a lot of the the European riders won't. And being Australian, you know, like all those guys, they're good. Yeah. Like, you know, they're like... They deserve to be. Guys yeah. are probably got... Like half that team is probably going to win the Olympics this year. Um, but the other European teams don't know that. They just think they're a bunch of random Australian guys that are just lucky to get a start. But I have respect for those guys because I know that they're they're really good but that's because i'm australian i know that they're actually mm. there because they're they're really yeah. good not just i'm sure if you go to a race in poland and there's a polish <laughs> national team you're just chopping I'm just guys. About to say that actually <laughs> when you don't know who they are and if they're giving you grief but um a lot of the time though when we race races in europe that aren't always world tour and we have smaller teams there it's actually it's like some of the, the riders have like a chip on their shoulder and they're actually more disrespectful than the the world tour riders. Yeah. And I don't like that either. I think if you want respect then you have to also give it and you can't you can't be a prick in the bunch. Like we were most of the world tour riders we're all reasonably like we're all pretty respectful to each other. Obviously when it's coming down to like the Yeah. The, the turn to Barricade. Yeah, <laughs> like there's gonna be like you're not gonna probably give room to anyone because yeah, you're trying to fight for your position as well. And sometimes when you're a young rider, you take that as like, they're just not respecting me because of because I'm in UniSA or I'm, I'm in a, yeah, in a Conti team or something. But that's cycling. Like, it's world tour riders bump into each other. Conti riders bump into each other. We all bump into each other at some stage. Yep. But sometimes it's taken as like, oh, they're disrespecting me because I'm lower than them um but it's not the case that's cycling there's always a bit of argy-bargy going on um but yeah richie went bang big time no surprise i was there i I saw him attack 
So that's that's how Did far you, that's how far up the climb I got. Were were you like thinking that mate, like maybe I can like scramble over in like that best of the rest group and like still be in with the chance to pick up Oka like tomorrow, or were you just kind of honouring the jersey and just like being in the well, front, you know, just you, enjoying the you, show? You know what? You never. There was quite quite a lot of wind that day. Um. Yeah, you just never know. Like, yeah. Richie could come down, and that like he's probably. 15, 20% better than the rest of the bunch. So if he, if, I mean, you know, if he crashed or something, then maybe if like the whole bunch of the favorites crashed and if you were dropped like 10K before and you realize that like a group of 30 got to the front and like. You'd be kicking yourself. Yeah, you'd be like, far out. Why well, wasn't I bloody there? So you need to give yourself the, the opportunity to start with. And I just said to the, I didn't even tell my team that I was going to go for it. I just, I told my DS, I said, if I'm there, I'll go up the climb and see see how i'm feeling um and i told roger and he he he, he, he helped me get into good position um so yeah i just if it, if it wasn't such a big effort to get to the front then then i was there and because i'm good at surfing the wheels on like a tricky descent like that um it was pretty easy for me to be there and uh yeah i just gave myself the opportunity because you just never know what's going to happen it could be like block block headwind and you could just hang in. It's it's only three and a half minute climb, so yeah. you just never know. Legs could be feeling great. Blockhead win. You never know. And it wasn't to be, so otherwise I would have never have known. But I'd hate to be kicking myself if a group of 30 or something got to the finish, which is a very slight chance was going to happen, but you just, yeah, give myself the opportunity, what, respect the jersey. At what point did you go, oh, okay. When we were like, a minute up and they're like settled into a pace and I was still doing like 600 watts and I was like, Ooh, it's probably not for me. And as soon as you got <laughs> dropped, you just ripped the cord and just stopped. Yeah, I was very, going very, very slow. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't like I'm going to try no, and limit was... my losses and like no, be no, no, within no, 25 no. seconds. No. no, 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 no. Shut it down. I went all the way until I blew and then I blew big time. Good to see Bertos run a drum mm, on a yeah. paracomb. Yeah. It was good, good. good little finish for him. Which yeah. is which is Rob Power for those, yeah. Who Rob Power know. from Sunweb. Um, I mean, I think it's no surprise to us because we knew, like, we raced with Rob when he was younger, and we know how good he is. But um, maybe guys that didn't know him from a young age and have only followed his career recently or haven't really heard of him, then yeah. I mean, well, probably a lot of people were surprised, but I don't think we can say we were so surprised. Mm. Phil Liggett but, thought he was Jai Hindley yeah, so, for the entire climb. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's good to see Rob back where he should be. Um, just he's mus- probably just one of the most... a massive gear. I think you guys would agree with me. He's probably one of the most talented riders you've ever seen, like one of the strongest riders you've ever seen. And he was under 23. Mm. It's unbelievable. He should have won Lavinia as the first year under 23, but... I think he did half that main climb on like my bike or <laughs> your bike or something. I just remember all of us off our bikes trying to change batteries and stuff. Um, Shambles. He should have won that, but yeah, he's very, very good. And I hope he, I hope he can get back to, to what he's capable of doing. Mm. Rob Power, best of the rest, second after Richie took some time and took the jersey. Um, but yeah, following Rob's wheel, there was a pretty um, a nice little climbing group of the best of the rest. 
before we headed back to Caleb's territory. Another sprint. Yeah. So I was in such a straightforward stage. We were a little bit worried with the crosswinds going into Murray Bridge because, yeah. Well, Mitchelton controlled it for like the first 40 Ks or something. Going for preems. Going for sprint preems, which is good because like it's quite cruisy. Everyone kind of knew that they were controlling it, so no one tried to attack. So it was a nice cruisy start. But then we all knew once we got out of the hills and down onto the flat part, like out to Murray Bridge, not not many trees out there protecting you from the wind and there was some crosswind. Um, but it was just like yeah, that uh, annoying, everyone's ready for it, but nothing happened. Yeah. So it was just <laughs> it like did a little whole, bit at one point, hey? Like it got real stretched yeah, once or twice. Yeah. There's a few points, yeah, that yeah, did stretch out, but there was just... So nervous in the a bunch. Day of stress. And it's just like you saw some unnecessary crashes, and two of two of the UniSI UniSA guys were out of the race, broken bones mm. on like what should have been a pretty relaxed bunch sprint day, but it was all stress the whole day. Besides the first part, once we got out of the hills, it was just kind of like blocked across the road and and stress. Um, but yeah, it was like kind of a corner 300 meters to go, like turned back on itself a little bit. So it was a bit of a sketchy corner, like off camber and everything. And yeah, that's where we finished. Um, I told Roger to put me on Sam's wheel. I was off in the gravel a K to go just before we went under the K sign. Then I had to get back on the road and I lost my position. Then luckily Roger was still there kind of fighting for Sam's wheel. So I got back to him and then I could get on the wheel. Um, and then, yeah, that's where I wanted to be in the last corner. And I knew that, yeah, I know that those finishes suit me that are kind of kicking out of a corner. So I knew if I was just in the position to win that I should be able to. But um, yeah, I did. So now I was happy with that. Yeah, I had to change gears in the sprint because I was wasn't getting past him, and then change gears, and then I could really kind of grind onto the line. But yeah, wound the fifty five up. Fifty four. Fifty four. Yeah. I don't know what I was in. Maybe like, because it was kicking out of the corner. So I don't think I was in the 54-11, but could have been. Mm. Don't know. I felt like I was really grinding to the line though. Didn't feel like I was on top of the gear at all. And you enjoy sprints like that where there was sharp right hand. It was a lot yeah. going on in the I finish. Like, I always like a corner before the finish. I like a technical finish more than a big, long, straight run in. Because once you get yourself in position, it's much easier to hold position. The bunch is lined out a little bit. Or big long straight run-ins, like guys everywhere, and hmm. they get pretty sketchy. Any thoughts, Campbell? No, but besides nothing. a good finish from C. Ewan. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. <laughs> Congrats. Yeah, thanks. Stage. Uh, what stage are we up to? It's be stage five. Next. Stage. Next one was um, where Lucas Hamilton tore it to shreds. Yeah. Oh yeah. I was at the back end of that. That looks really hard. Yeah, so I knew, so we, we'd done this stage in 2016, well, this like last 30Ks or something. Um, I didn't make it to the finish, Garrow won, so it was like hard finish. But I, I kind of remember it split up on the climb and then like a few groups got back together and in the end there was like 70 guys at the finish. So at the start of the climb, I was just in good position. I was going to ride the climb my pace, don't panic if someone like Lucas goes to the front and tries to 
tear it to pieces, which I knew they would do because Mitchelton had to win that stage if they wanted any chance of winning the tour because they need that 10-second time bonus. And obviously if I'm there or Bennett's there... You're going to beat Daryl Limpy. Yeah, he's got much less of a chance of winning. So they need to drop all of us and they need to go to the line. And Daryl, in, in the front group there, Daryl probably would have won. Um, so we knew that was going to happen. So I was just like, all right, do what I can do to get up the climb, but don't go over and don't blow and just ride my own tempo. And then, yeah, that's what I did. We I rode my own tempo. Yeah, it split up like we thought. I had Thomas DeGent just behind me, so he came back over the top. I don't know if you saw the video of me actually veer off into the... Yeah, big yeah. time. <laughs> that was what happened? Almost been it. <laughs> so, that was really close to going really bad. Oh, yeah. So I had a gel in one hand eating my gel, and then I hit a bump in my other hand just slipped off the bars. I just wasn't even a touch of wheels. Just no, you no, being no. an idiot. No, I wasn't even here. I just <laughs> didn't see a bump and like, you know... I'm sure you guys have had your hands slip off the bars before. Yeah. I haven't seen a bump. So basically that just happened and then I had no hands on the bars and then my bike just went Oh my right. God. Hard right. Luckily, I uh, gripped the bars again, got back on, went through the dirt. Like, whew, close call, <laughs> but... Um, and then you just had Thomas to get over the other side. He did a big job. He did a massive job. Thomas. Wow. I think he started the climb at the back of the bunch and then worked his way up <laughs> to my group. <laughs> um... And a few of my teammates were with him, I think. And then, yeah, he was the only one that made it. Then Roger, I don't know how Roger made it over the climb, but he made it over the climb. He was in my group as well. After saying that, he, he told me that he probably won't make it over the climb. So I said, all right, no stress. Like, try if you can get over. He did 250K the day before, but he rode back from Murray Bridge all the way back to Adelaide. How far is that? Like... 90k 100k jeez see the only one in the bunch to yeah. do it yeah, yeah, yeah that's so euro yeah, isn't it just getting euro those extras yeah. in at down under um he stopped off it he hadn't he hadn't gone to um Handorf yet the german town so he was like had to do that before he left adelaide so he picked, picked <laughs> couldn't couldn't do that pick, today pick, or yesterday he yeah. picked the murray <laughs> the murray bridge stage to ride back 100k so he could ride through Handorf. But yeah, I don't know why he needs to go to Handoff so bad. Like he lives in Germany, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure why he had to go to a German town. Did you? Anyway. If you see Thomas to get coming over the climb, though, you're there in the bunch. There's a fair bit of confidence like, that things are like, going to get fixed. So after the top of the climb, I was kind of like in the radio, like, "Where is everyone?" Couldn't see anyone. Saw Thomas come past. Like beauty, he's here. Ooh, yeah, he's probably the strongest guy in Strap our team. Strap yourself in. Um, then I saw Rog and I was like, shit, he's done well to get over. Then it was just the three of us. Um, Thomas did about 10 men's work and brought back the, yeah. the break up the front. Um, so, yeah, it came back together. Um, I think with maybe 5K to go. And then, yeah, Roger. So Roger told me to start with that he probably won't get over the climb. He got over the climb. I was with him. I said, put me on a wheel. I said, yeah do that he's losing the wheel up that last kind of climb kind of like 5k to go on that highway drag yeah, the highway drag is losing the wheel so i knew he was struggling a little bit he did heaps of work like get me to the front of the bunch and then we came into a k to go and i was still on his wheel and i was like all right he's going to be done any minute now like he's done so much time in the wind didn't think he was going to get over the climb got over he must be absolutely smashed so then i was like all right i need to look for a sprinter's wheel to sit on Left his wheel, found a sprinter to sit on, 
found Bennett. Had a fight with Yasp Phillipson again. Um, <laughs> seems to always be him, but anyway. Fought him for the wheel. Got the wheel. And then, don't know what happened. Like, Morkoff went. I was on the wheel. I was perfect. And then we, like, kind of cleared the guy in front. And then I looked ahead. And this is, like, Roger, like, 30 metres up the road with Nitzelo coming off his wheel. And I was like, oh, shit, that's a bit big of a gap to, to close now in, like, the last 150 metres or 200 metres. Anyway, I, like, looked at the video and Roger's just, like, ripped this, like, unbelievable lead out. So if I just stayed on his wheel, it would have been good, but I just didn't know. Because we done the TV footage, like one like one frame or like one camera angle, it was all teed up, and they changed camera angle, and then it's just all gone real pear shaped quickly. Well, it wasn't that it went pear shaped; it's just but there was where, where did the gap come from? Yeah, it's a big well, I gap. left I left his wheel in the corner to find another wheel to sit on, so I found Bennett's wheel, and then so I did. I thought he was just gonna got through the corner, sit up, but he got through the corner and just like ripped this lead out like <laughs> unbelievable like probably the best lead out he's ever had done like <laughs> for Giacomo luckily yeah Giacomo's on the wheel <laughs> gets his perfect lead out and then uh yeah I don't know if Nitzelo paid him or what happened but yeah he did a good lead out and uh unfortunately I wasn't on the wheel to reap the rewards but yeah that was probably just down to communication error between us um, mm. I should have, well, I mean, he should have told me that he was going to do a lead out because like last time we spoke, he was putting me on the, on a good wheel, which he did. And then he went on to do the lead out. So, yeah. um, yeah, anyway, it's sprinting. You probably lose more than you win. So you just have to kind of get over that stuff, learn from it if you can, and then try to win again when there's another sprint. Couple of takeouts from that stage. Uh, one, NTT got their first win of the year. We gave them a pretty hard time. Yeah, we did last year. Yeah, um, about their lack of performances, but they had five or six riders around Azola over the top of the climb, got him back to the group. Was he in my group? Nah, he, nah, he was. Like, was but he had like literally it was like this wave of blue came over the top of the climb together. Like they had a clear plan. Like we stay with him at all costs and at yeah. all times, and we'll just bring whatever we need to bring, bring yeah, that's back what, together. That's what you have to do. They did really well. Yeah, yeah, Full credit. Do. Hats yeah. off. You have to, in a situation like that, it's just like, all right, stay with the sprinter. He needs to get over the climb as far up as possible. And then after the top, it's still 20 Ks to go. So there's plenty of time to, to bring him back. And uh, if you don't come back, then you don't come back. But at least you tried. And yeah, for them, they, yeah, hats off. They, all stayed with him. They brought him back to the bunch and he won. So. And Roger gave him a good way down. And Roger, yeah. Roger was the yeah, eighth man of the NTT team that day. But He doesn't win much, does he, Giacomo? He's always... Well, I heard that he hadn't won a world tour race in eight years. He's probably been on the podium about 90 times in that eight years. <laughs> but he's but like he's won like three or four um, sprint jerseys at the year. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like He's super consistent, consistent like always... Yeah. Always in the points, but... He's a good rider. He's really good and, like, obviously, yeah, he showed that the other day. He's quite good, so, um, yeah. And then Lucas Hamilton up that final climb, looking like the strongest man in the world, just 
popping guys off the wheel. Just he, had his he looked his, pissed off. He was on a mission. Just had his four bros behind him, including Daryl Impey, just spitting blokes out the back. Yeah, me included, just straight out the back. Saw Lucas he up the road, good. and I was he like, was oh. He was. Um, it could have been a different story if maybe he didn't like. If he didn't go so hard, like still got a good gap, and maybe Cam Meyer got over. Did Cam not get over with him? Cam didn't get over. See the problem. See, I knew the problem that they were going to have is they went too hard. If they went hard up there to drop everyone, they're going to drop half their team as well. Yeah, and it's still twenty k's to go. So if you've got a group of like all this, like I spoke to some of the sprinters before, and said, uh, "What do you think? Do you reckon you get over the climb?" Everyone's kind of like same with me. Like, well, oh, I don't know. Like, depends how hard it is. We just kind of said to each other, like, if we stay around each other and we have teammates. 20 k's to go we can all come back like we all work together all our teams work together but then you know you've seen a race like if you're a sprinter and you see all the rest of the sprinters drops you're not waiting for them yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> you're like perfect <laughs> boys deals off exactly but it just happened that you know we were all in the same group i think there was me in there there was sam in there Gripel was in there um philipson was in there Nitzolo was in there, so like, how's that group going to stay away? Unless they, they, they absolutely job, yeah, they made you earn it, or made the sprinters earn well, it. Well, of course, I mean, it's the how many guys were up the front? 15? 10? 10, 10, 10, 10, 10 of the strongest guys in the race were up the front. We so also had two or three that were sitting on, like Richie getting Richie away. wasn't doing anything, and yeah. from all reports, like Ineos boys weren't like ripping through hard, like. You get Van Baal and Dennis chopping yeah. off hard. There's not many people bringing those two. Well, I think if you just had Dennis on the front, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it would be really hard to bring it back. But um, yeah, we had a, a group of pretty committed teammates trying to bring that back, going full gas. So it was always going to be hard for it to, to stay away. Cool little stage though. A little bit of, mm, little bit of flavor it. to the tour. I like yeah, it. So I think a stage like that is the most exciting when you just don't know. Don't know so the same with um, the... Sterling stages never know. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know it's mm. going to be hard, easy. Like you could never really tell the. There's no like clear favorite beforehand, mm. um, and I think that stage was like that. Like Garo won last time, so he's not a pure sprinter. Um, but yeah, just a quick one on the tour overall. It must have been the the coolest in terms of weather in history. Not oh, a day over thirty. I don't reckon. It was so nice. Must have been an absolute treat. It was so nice. It was a little bit hot going up for longer the other day, but besides that. It was good. I think it makes the racing better. I felt much better. Like I don't don't go that good in heat. I don't think. Like well, I don't feel that good in heat, but I don't think anyone feels that good in the heat. But yeah. It was much nicer to race in, that's for sure. And then the last stage, Wollonga two, was an exciting race from the get go. Turn on the TV and there's this huge breakaway up the road. Um, and CCC were staring down the barrel of a, a world tour win. World tour win. Did you guys know that Greipel was only on a minute off the lead of the lead of the tour? Could have won the tour. Could have won the tour. Could have gone for his third. TDU. Was, in, was he in the break? Yeah, he was in the, he break, was in the break, break, and he was only a minute off Richie. How did that break go? I don't know how he was a minute off Richie. He must have kept going up for. <laughs> yeah, how did that? How did such a big group get away? And like, who was was Trek the ones that were controlling? Well, see, everyone was kind of looking at each other. Mitchelton looked like they were going to chase it. Then time got away, and then all of a sudden it was like three minutes. And then Trek were like, "Oh shit, 
got on the front. Mitchell didn't stop pulling because they wanted the break to go. Um, it's not like this was just a break of four or five. It was like 25 blokes. I don't know how such a big break went. I was thinking about jumping in it. I was <laughs> like, you should have like, oh. just jumped in it. 20, just oh. help yourself. I could have jumped, like I was on the front line. I was like, just jump across. Rifle just went. I was like, nah. Just enjoyed my day in the bunch. Tried to get over. Just bounce over to it? I was actually going to do like a haymaker at the start of Wonga on the second, second time up. For what reason? Keep the fans happy. Just for TV. <laughs> just because it would have been funny. Um, but I don't know. I was there. I would have enjoyed I, it. I reckon you should have done it. Yeah. No, Going with but, the little sorry, on. Sorry, can, we but, do that, can we do that next year? I'll do it next year if I don't have a guy in the break. See, I, see, I had my teammate up the road. Yeah, you did. Mm-hmm. Imagine like if I did a haymaker, took the bunch with me, <laughs> <laughs> caught the break, then my teammate got second or something. Then it would have been like, Caleb, you're an idiot. So I was like, all right, I'm not going to risk yeah, smart. being an idiot. But I was just like, I'll hang in the bunch as long as possible. I got like three minutes up longer. You were in good posse at the bottom of it. Again, I was just behind Richie. Like, I was in good posse. Had Rob on my wheel. It's like, come Rob, let's go. <laughs> Went up to the front, started in good position. I was like on um, George Bennett's wheel. All the smart climbers were like, you get the fuck around him because like he's gonna get dropped in the head. <laughs> so then I was like boxing on a bit, and I, I didn't want to box on with any of the climbers. So I was like drifting back a bit, and then then I was in a, a position that I wasn't getting boxed off the wheel anymore. So I just held it as long as possible, and then yeah, I think I was there for like a couple of minutes, three minutes. It's pretty cool actually, and then yeah, then I wasn't there anymore. I went really, really. Were you there slow. when Richie attacked? Did you see him? Nah, I didn't see. Him. I didn't, didn't, didn't get didn't get to that point. Was it hard? Like besides when you went up the climb for the first time, it must have been pretty tricky. Like in terms of the pace was on, it was four four minutes and it got brought back pretty quickly. Yeah, I was like my goal at that stage was like I really just wanted to get over longer the first time, because then you don't have to do like that whole loop like in group header and it's like just nicer in the bunch, so much faster. Get it done. So you just get us like right, I'll stay in the bunch. Um, started Belonga in a really good position, finished kind of near the back, so I was like good drifted a little bit. Um, yeah, it wasn't too hard up longer the first time. I mean, if I was there, then it wasn't that hard. So, yeah, I got over. I had to like push myself a fair bit because it was pretty hard, but I got over. And then, yeah, we didn't like have any guys in the bunch that like I need to help. So I was just, I was like, all right, I'm going to do my haymaker at the start. And then I realized like all the breaks just there, I probably shouldn't do it. Then I just got into good position. So I got myself into position to do the haymaker. Then I would have been a commentator's dream. Yeah, but yeah, it would have been good. Like I wish, I wish I was able to do it. But then I'm very happy. It turned out right though. I'm very happy. Yeah. (laughs) Tell us, tell us about, (laughs) tell us about Matthew Holmes. What's his story? He was writing for Um, Madison Genesis, and they fell over. Did they? They go? There was a lot of English teams that. I don't know if they fell anyway. over or anything, but then anyway, like, he's like anyway. he's like mid twenties. He's not like a young young bloke. Is that correct? He's like yeah, he's twenty six. Yeah, so not a young young guy. He's older Neo, than you. Neo Pro. He's older than me. I was the youngest in my team. So that's an experienced team. Yeah, had it. Adams like thirty nine, I think. Pretty old. Roger thirty three. Thomas about the same. Tosh, him. I had, we had Dibbo on the team. He's like around my age, but I think I'm a bit younger than him. So 
yeah, I was still the youngest in the team, which I'm happy about. Um, so I always say Holmes. Holmes. Talk to us. He was, so we knew he was pretty strong. Actually, I've got a claim to fame, actually. I think I take out this whole. You were the one that scouted him, were you? <laughs> no, I definitely didn't scout him. Never heard of him. No, I, I, the name rung a bell. I couldn't put like a face name when I heard that he was with the team. Like Matt Holmes, heard that guy, but don't know what he looks like. So I didn't scout him. But in training, like a couple of days before, he did a full gas effort from the bottom of Wollonga to the top. I stayed with him the whole time. It was blockhead win. It was blockhead. <laughs> That's not where I thought that yeah. was going. It was a blockhead win. Yeah, but I stayed with the king of Wollonga. Yeah, no, full credit. And he was going full gas. Like he was more dead than me at the top. But I was on his wheel. Blockhead win. So much easier on the wheel. But I still did like 400 watts. Did you? On the wheel. The whole way up Wollonga. So I can't imagine like how much he was doing. But yeah, anyway, kept up with the king of Wollonga. You're such an Same annoying. You're such, a, <laughs> such an annoying person to train with in that sense, though. That you're climbing and you're always there when you shouldn't be there. Who? You. It's like, oh, oh, I'm good at Caleb's, climbing and training, actually. Caleb's here again. Like I've been on full gas for the last ten minutes. Yeah. And then the next day, torching bunch kicks. Yeah, maybe. I think like. It's my. It's maybe my it probably was annoying for him that I was still there because he was like, full gas. And I was, I was also full gas, but anyway, Matt, he was supposed to have a go up Paracomb, but um, he's not so experienced in the world tour bunch, like first world tour race, tricky, tricky run in. Yeah. And I mean, he didn't get the support from the team either. So it was like, he got a little bit of support, but he was basically, he was left on his own. So he started like really far back and then he said he like, he's just had shit legs, but I mean, he probably had like good enough power to stay with the front, but he's just started way too far back. And in world tour race, you can't, yeah, you can't start way behind the best guys and like expect to finish with them. Um, So yeah. So he said, didn't have good legs and we were kind of just like, yeah, no worries. Like, he'll do some riding on the front and stuff like that. So he rode the front a bit. Um, and then, yeah, before the day, if you told me like, before the week, if you said to me, this guy is dethroning Richie's record of Wollonga, like this guy's going to be the new king of Wollonga, I would have said, not a chance. But he did. And... He got in that breakaway and we were like, we we're like, yeah, like I didn't know who else was in the breakaway, but knew he climbed good. Knew positioning wasn't going to be a factor because in a breakaway, positioning is not really a factor. So we knew he was strong. We didn't know who else was in there. So we don't know like if he was the strongest in there. But um, Devo was also in there and I think Devo was teammates with him the year before. So he knew how strong he was. And uh, yeah, so... Dimon did all like the, the pulling on the front on the flat, like made sure the brake was really, really going and they had a good gap. And uh, yeah, he went over the, you guys tell me about it because I couldn't see the front of the race, but how many guys were there over the top the first time? Like, I can't remember. Maybe five or six. Yeah. Get down that. 
that low. Maybe a few guys came back over the top, but they yeah. were moving pretty quick because Roscoff yeah. thought, I um, need to press on here. I can win yeah. the tour. So, so they did that. He was in that front group. Um, so we're going up along the second time. They're just up there. I'm like, all right, probably be touch and go with it unless there's someone flying like they'll probably just get caught by richie because richie's gonna go up so fast and uh yeah i was listening to the radio like my ds was like yeah come on matt blah blah like so he's obviously like still up there then my ds came past me um i was like yeah how do you go and he's like oh richie won the stage i was like oh yeah normal and then like two minutes later they're like oh actually matt won the stage <laughs> we're like what <laughs> And then, yeah, so I was like, shit, he must have stayed away. But then fair play to him, like, he stayed with Richie. Like, Richie probably came flying past. I didn't really see, like, everything that happened. I've just seen, like, a clip of the last part. But mm. he's, he's stayed with Richie. But what actually happened? You guys It'd tell me. I didn't actually know. So Richie caught him. How him, far to go? 800 meters, maybe. Mm. Don't, was it, it was, maybe it was less. It was him and Stora. Yeah, Stora was the looking the best, mm. and then Richie caught both of them, and was going past them like he was moving. So it, he got a gap straight away, or Matt jumped straight. Away a little gap. Like. Richie got a little gap, and then like he was on Stora's wheel, like thinking, "Ah, oh, Stora will hold," and then Stora blew, and then he just jumped around Stora, straight onto Richie's wheel, jumped on, and then whacked and then him, just lined, him just lined him up. I saw the saw when he whacked him. So, but like obviously, like even holding Richie's wheel, like. Even if it was 500 metres from the top of the line, yeah. like, especially after being a break all day. Mighty impressive. Very, very, very impressive. And I heard someone say to him, like, why didn't you salute, like, after you won? And he's like, I'd never won a race for, like, I don't, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know what to do. <laughs> My Swaniers told me that he just kept riding, like, yeah, he did. a K up the road. <laughs> no one I could find him. <laughs> I thought, oh, maybe he thought there was more people up the road or, like. Like, poor guy thought he had to do another lap of Wollonga, but I don't know what he was doing. He didn't know either. Um, and I think he, he was probably just, just as surprised as anyone else, but, like. Oh, that's was there unreal energy in the van on the way back? We guys just well, we've just just won today. Somehow. Everyone was just like, "What the hell?" Like we went we went into this race like into the last <laughs> stage like no plan. Yeah, just if you want to go on a, like the DS was like if you want to go on a breakaway, go on a breakaway. If you want to sit in the bunch, just sit in the bunch. Like don't really care, just whatever. Yeah, but yeah. So it was gone from, they're always the most exciting ones where it's like no plan, like whatever happens, happens. And then all of a sudden you've got the king of Wollonga on your team. So, Three stage wins for the team as well. It's pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good work. So like out of, out of the seven races we did, we won four. So team pretty happy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, it's a good start. I'm happy for the team that, yeah, we had a good start and it's always good. Like it's always a bit of stress off the team, like good start and get a few wins on the belt straight away and it's good for me as well to have a few wins already um but yeah that would, that was probably the most exciting part of the whole tour like him winning <laughs> just like so unexpected and um yeah i was happy for him like you know richie winning another Wollongo, it's not going to change his life is it no but matt winning Wollongo, is like it's like life-changing this big win neo pro first world tour race and you win like it's a race in Australia, but like the most famous climb in Australia. And he's yeah dethroned Richie. No one else could do it, <laughs> but Matt, the Neo Pro, <laughs> did it. <laughs> good, good. 
Didn't yeah, that. I was happy, happy for Richie to win the the tour as well. Mm. Yeah, um, I think I think it's good. It's good to see him back in like top top shape. Yeah, like he he's always good in in January, but didn't have the best of years last year. But it's good that he's obviously gone back to Taz, chalked up a lot of Scottsdale loops. Yeah, and he's mm. keen to go again, which is yeah. good, really good yeah. to see. Yeah, I think he like he had a pretty tough year last year. Didn't probably didn't go as as he expected and. Yeah, it's good to good to see him back and and winning again and yeah. Sure, it must be the first time since Mitchelton have been around that they haven't been on the overall podium. I'm well, sure. they didn't Someone's win anything. Look at those stats. They didn't win. They didn't win a stage. They didn't win the tour. They won nothing. Um, I think it's it a pretty, big week to not come away with any chockies. Empty-handed. Pretty, pretty. I think it was pretty poor the way they raced the last stage. I think they should have. Um, well, in the end, I'm happy, obviously, that the brakes stayed away. But the way they were racing, I think it was almost like they prefer to see Richie lose it than they win it. Like I spoke to one of the guys and they said, yeah, Richie's going to beat us anyway, so we're not chasing it. But, like, they still had Yatesy, who they obviously backed to win a stage here or to, to be able to compete against Richie so they knew that yeah they they did have a guy that had a chance to win but they still even if you think you're going to lose the tour if you've got a guy that's going to win the stage then why are you just happy for the break to go so I, th- I thought that was a little bit like well we prefer to see Richie lose it than than us having a chance of winning the stage um but yeah each their own they're they're the ones that came away empty-handed so Socks for them. <laughs> nice little clip. <laughs> <laughs> well, but also they gave they gave away the intermediate sprint. Like they gave away Daryl's opportunity to win the intermediate. It's got a little bit further ahead. Yeah, I think so, they. You know, if, what if he could hang on? Yeah, I think like I spoke to Daryl the day before, and I said, "How much time do you think you'll need to win to like to hang on?" And he said he needs eighteen seconds. So he was like, super specific. He was only, he's only two seconds in front or something. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if they like, they really, in fairness to them, they really gave themselves a good shot because they really kept it together for a lot of the intermediates during this tour. Um, but then it's kind of like they just gave up on the last day, which, yeah, maybe they just thought like, yeah, absolutely no chance. But at the end of the day, they're coming away with nothing. So why don't you just go for the stage with Yatesy? Or Lucas, or Lucas. Well, that's a different story. Should like they should be riding for Lucas anyway. But I told Lucas that, but he's happy to do his job. But I think Lucas, I think Lucas by now deserves a chance to have a go himself. I think you guys will agree with me there. He's he's in good nick. He's in very good nick, and it's a shame to see it wasted on just riding the front. Like he's mm. better than that. Um, and he deserves better than that. So hopefully next year we'll see Lucas come back as leader. Because I think... Well, maybe they look, might go for a different approach instead of this chipping away at intermediates yeah. and just go, well, we're just going to go head-to-head with the best climbers. Like, let's face it, like, Lucas could have been on the podium. Maybe he wouldn't have won the tour, but he could have been on the podium if he rode for... or if the team backed him. And that's better than what they ended up having anyway in the end. But, mm. um, yeah, when you're a team, you need to... Go for what you think is going to be best. And um, they obviously thought Daryl was the 
the guy to get them a result. But this this Tour Down is a bit different to the two that Daryl won because it had two hilltop finishes and the other ones had only one. And the hilltop finishes where Daz loses his time. So he's obviously going to lose more time if there's two hilltop finishes. So it's going to be harder for him to win. Plus he has to go for all those intermediates while Richie's just sitting on chilling in the bunch. Sure, like that takes its toll at the end of the week, you know. Like they were hard intermediates they're, as well. There's like people think this is like a few guys, like a few climbers sprinting for the MV. It's so hard to they're so hard. Like yeah. I'm I'm on the back of the bunch like almost getting dropped when they're when, when they're doing their lead ups with me. It's it's like seriously hard. It's like it's like going into a bunch sprint. So that does take its toll. Plus there was the two hilltops. Um, maybe I think they went in with probably a plan. That's why they brought Yatesy because they knew, all right, if it's not for Daz, then Yatesy will be there. He unfortunately had his crash and bunged his knee on the second stage. But then that's probably when they should have transitioned into, all right, we've got Lucas here who's like climbing very well. Let's have him as that, that climbing option. Um, but yeah. I'm not a DS. I can just like look from where I'm sitting and they give your give, opinion. I can give my opinion. That's yeah. That's all I can do. I can't tell them what to do, but um, it would be nice for Lucas to to have a crack. Yeah, especially if Yatesy crashed. Then, but yeah, I think he'll get his time. He'd definitely get his get his chance, mm. Lucas, if he hangs around. Yeah, he should. He definitely should. Um, yeah, it'd be silly. It'd be silly for the team not to. Um, and yeah, you know, he's Australian, Australian team is probably the, him and Hagee, but maybe Lucas, I don't know, like Hagee's very good as well, but what do you reckon, Lucas, is he, is he a bit better, can he be a bit better? Well, this time of year he's heaps better because Hagee's skiing, skiing in the Alps, yeah. Yeah. so <laughs> you'd rip Hagee's um, legs off at the moment. Yeah, but you'd think that Australia, uh, Mitchell and have got... The two best Australian climbers, the next guys that we think can yeah. maybe podium in a Grand Tour or do something in a Grand Tour, they've got those two guys. So you'd hope that they would nurture them and give them what they want and give them support they need to 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 be or to to kind of yeah you know grow into that role as like leaders of the team. And I hope that happens because it'd be a shame for Middleton to yeah to lose those guys or. Yeah, you know, especially if they're it's a different story with me because I'm a sprinter. But if they want to be GC team, they've, they've got the two two Australians that can be GC riders. So it'll be good to see them supporting them in the near future, or well, pretty soon because I think they they deserve it. Especially Hagee already. I think he he could probably he deserves a a role as a leader in some of the bigger races. He's played a, such a big role in you know, the Yates, he's doing well and Esteban doing well and it'll be good to see him get, get that chance. And then, yeah, also Lucas. be no surprise to see Hagi move to Movie Star next year. He seems to be hanging out with all the Spanish bros. He does, bros he does seem Andorra. to be hanging out with all the Spanish guys. <laughs> speak <laughs> Spanish? He's got a Spanish missus as well, so. Yeah, um, he's ticking all the boxes. Yeah. He looks like a good candidate for Movie Star, but. Mm. Um, I wonder if Movie Star have ever had a pale-skinned redhead on their squad. <laughs> I think it would be it'd be a big shame. I'd hate to see him leave. I'd hate to see Mitchelton let him go. I think it'd be a big a big stuff up because him and Lucas are our two best climbers. 
Mitch was in the JC team. It seems from the outside. They have to keep those guys. They have to keep them. From the outside, it seems super Yates centric, though. Like, they're real keen for the Yates bros. And to be fair, they've won it. Simon's won the the Vuelta before and got mighty close to the Giro. So for the now, it seems to be the good option. But you're right. If if they, if Hagee and Lucas don't get opportunities within the next couple of years, Lucas is still only 23. So he's still still super young. He's got a couple of years on Hagee. But we're seeing. 21 year old I know I mean yeah 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 it's all it seems to be coming in a little bit like, it's all well and good to say yeah he's only young time creeps away pretty quickly yep I was in my fifth year pro once I got to the Tour de France Jeez, you're getting old man I'm in my sixth year pro now like <laughs> that's crazy yeah like, it didn't seem that long ago that we were in like Gavarate just eating gelati and stuff <laughs> now I'm sixth year pro sixth year pro it, wow. it like you're time, a veteran, man. Yeah, no, you're right. That's actually a really good point. It's like we always time say, goes oh, away. He's, got, he's got time, he's got time. Maybe but they don't have time. That's what that's what people said to me, like, and, and when I was in Mitchell's, they said to me, like, you're young, like, take your time, take your time, take your time. And then all of a sudden you're fifth year pro and you haven't done Tour de France yet. And you're like, oh, it's getting, like, your, your career is getting away mm. from you. And I think you, you just can't take that for, uh, take, yeah, take it for advantage. You have to, you have to start straight away. Like, look at Remco. Play nineteen, he wins. Yeah, a whole bunch of big races. And uh, Podjakar, the climber from UAE, yeah. he's only he's a couple of years yeah. younger than Lucas as well. He's a couple of years younger. Um, Bernal, Bernal, twenty-one, winning Tour de France. Sivakov, like there's a lot of good young blokes. It's winning. Twenty-three big races. is not not that uh, it's young, but it's there's other guys. You, know, you don't want to waste your time riding on the front if you're if you're a guy that can win races and. Lucas is a guy that can win big races, so I'd hate to see him waste a few more years of his career um, riding on the front when he should be taking his opportunities now. Because, like I said, yeah, time time gets away from you, and all of a sudden you're in your six year pro. <laughs> but it happens. It does. It happens so quick. You miss a few years. You have maybe a bit of an injury, and then that's the other point. Things go wrong in this sport. Yeah, yeah. things go wrong, and it, like one it knee niggle, and that goes yeah. kind of writes off a season. And so, if that's the season you're meant to be moving, and that's your season, you get your opportunities. Like, oh. Yeah, yeah. It's like yeah, if you if you go four or five years without out doing the big races that you want to do, and then eventually you get your call up, and something happens, and you're out for a year, and then team lose faith in you a little bit, so they don't put you in that year, and then all of a sudden you're like. 10 years in and and it was like oh what could have been um i know that's dramatic but it can happen <laughs> it can happen i think you just need to if you're one of the good guys like lucas or jack you just need to get straight into it and if you like those guys have proven their worth so they should be in the big races they should be getting the support from the team um and i yeah you'd, you'd like to see it well, Alex, we know where um, things would be heading if Caleb was the GM of yeah. Mitchelton. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if you're an Australian team, you know... Can they... Can hey, they, man, can we're, they... we're, we're, we agree. Yeah, Australian team, I'd love... You know what? I'd love to see Mitchelton win the Tour de France with an Australian rider. Mm. I'd love to see it. It's great for our sport in Australia. Of course. Um, you know... I don't. I, I haven't left Mitchelton and like hate them now. Like they're still our only world tour team, and I'd love to see them do well. But 
I really want them to do well with an Australian. It's just not Australian if we're supporting British blokes, British guys, or mm. Colombians, or like, and we have the, like, we have the guys. We have like, Lucas is like a young Yatesy, and like they nurtured them so well, and, and now they can do what they they do. We have that. Yatesy never had to write the front. They support him straight away. Mm. So why does Lucas have to, or Hagee have to? Like, why do they have to prove their worth before they get their opportunity? They should just get their opportunity straight away. Um, and it's disappointing that, yeah, that they're not giving them the opportunity that they they deserve. I know this is a podcast and people can't see, but Alex and I are just shaking that shaking their heads. <laughs> in a good way, up and down. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think we 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 would all love to as cycling fans from australia like we'd love to see our our home team um you know win win the tour de france or any grand tour or any races we'd love to see them winning but we'd love to see them winning with australians more so than than uh yeah riders from from different countries it's like sky you know they or Ineos say yeah bernal won the tour last year but before that was wiggins from Thomas. Thomas, and it wouldn't have been the same if they if they won with Bernal from the start. Like, it's nice that they were a British team that set out with a goal that they would have a British rider win the Tour de France as a British team. And I think Mitchelton, if they're the road they're going down is um, winning Grand Tours, then they should be working on winning it with an Australian. I don't know why they didn't sign Richie. Like, he was our biggest hope of winning a Grand Tour. They should have signed him. They should have been trying to win with him. It's like when Sky started, they signed Wiggins because he was their, the, the best British chance of winning a Grand Tour. So they signed the best best guy for it, and then they end up winning with him. We should have done Do you the think that they just, don't, they just don't care as long as it's someone wearing our jersey? doesn't matter if they're Australian or Argentinian. doesn't matter. <laughs> um, well, I mean, yeah, it seems like that. It seems like that. So, yeah, otherwise they would be trying to find uh, an Australian's win. And I think Jack and Jack and Lucas aren't ready to win the Tour de France yet. No, that's for of sure. course not. Um, and maybe the Yates are. But I'd like to see them putting more things in place to get Lucas and Jack ready for, for when they are ready to, to step up and podium in a Grand Tour. Because at the moment it's hard for them to prove themselves because they they are not getting the opportunities that that the Yates has got when they first turned pro with the team. Like Yates, he did the Tour de France when he was a neo pro in Mitchelton. So that goes against like everything they say about like nurturing or like making it like giving the the riders like this like easy progression kind of thing. Um, so yeah. I'd just like to see them do it. So what are, what are you saying? Are you saying like a leadership role at Swiss or like at the Vuelta or at the Giro? Like not saying at the Tour this year, but yeah, I, a big I mean, race. Like, I mean, don't, yeah, like I, I wouldn't. It'd be a mistake for the team to go to the Tour de France with Lucas as leader because he's not ready for it. But give him a leadership role at yeah the Vuelta or the Giro or the Tour Down Under. It, <laughs> so exactly, that's what I mean. Like at least. Like, he's at least proven his worth that he can be a factor at, at a race like Down Under. So give him the opportunity. Otherwise, you go with Imps and Yates and you come away with nothing. Wouldn't they be better off, like, having Lucas on the podium? 
Like, wouldn't they like to see that? Wouldn't it be nicer for them to have Lucas on the podium than, than Imps on the podium, who's yeah. won it twice already? Yeah. That's and the thing. He's won it twice already. He's, what is he, 35 or 36 now? Like, still obviously a super rider, but it'd be nice to see at least some kind of, like, progression plan. Yeah. And, we, I mean, we're, we're speaking, like, we don't know. Like, he could have uh, a complex, compl- bloody plan that he's gonna yeah he's exactly. working up towards it we don't yeah. know this we're just three kids um, standing around the table talking <laughs> about mitchell and we're just like <laughs> we're just assuming that they don't but um yeah. yeah i just hope they do yeah and i hope that they yeah like hey he's up for contract this year and yeah maybe he's hanging around with movie star <laughs> writers a lot but um if Mitchelson stay a, a GC team, I'd hate to see them them lose those guys. And if they let them go, if they let Hagee go, I think Lucas has got another few years with the team, but if they let Hagee go, I think it would be a big mistake on their part because he is one of Australia's hopefuls at the Tour de France or at a Grand Tour. And we don't, let's be honest, we don't really have that many. What, who else is coming through? What have we got underneath at the moment? Oh, the under twenty. Oh no, under twenty three. Yeah. gone. Yeah. everything's gone. The NRS is. Yeah, it's. It's there's not there's not much. Like yeah, I'm just I'm honestly just trying to think what the next crop is below, below Lucas and and Jack. Yeah, I mean we've got good riders. We've got like oh, of, of Jai, course. But I'm, ta- I'm talking like that top tier winning grand tours. Of, yeah, out of the guys that we know, like the young guys that we know that are coming through, the young guys that are already pro. They're the only two that I could say have the potential to to be up there in a grand tour. Um, and Mitchelson have them both. And they have to keep them. <laughs> <laughs> they like I like it. I think they have like I think they have to keep them. It's it'd be like Mitchelton's lost now, they lost Gero, they lost Bling. I lost Caleb Ewan. Caleb Ewan. They lost me, <laughs> which I understand because they went there, you know, they want to be a GC team, but you know, it would be nice for them to think, oh yeah, we've got a good Australian sprinter. Let's be a sprint team. But Alas. They, they weren't, they weren't going that way, which is fair enough. They had guys that, you know, could, they thought could win the, the Tour de France, but now they have two Australians that can podium at the Grand Tour and they're just not giving them the opportunities that they deserve. So. I'd hate to see them leave. And if they're not careful, I think they will leave. So um, they need to start supporting their own again. Because, I mean, the team the team started off very Australian. Like we're Aussies and Australian mentality. And then mm. now how, I don't even know how many Australians are in the team. Probably like a couple, five, six. Oh, no, how, actually, no, that's a lie. How, much have, how many do they have at national? Like eight guys. Like I'm pretty sure they yeah, had like about that. 20 Australians when they started. Start, so it was yeah. very Australian. Now the team's not not so Australian anymore. And there's no Australian leaders in the team. They're all from from different countries. So yeah. Do you need to get that? I'll call him back after. <laughs> get him on the conference call. <laughs> we'll ask Jason. Get, yeah, get we'll Jason ask, on. Well. Get him on now. Jason manages both those guys, <laughs> so we'll have a better idea what they're going to do. Get <laughs> uh, him on the um, conference. Yeah, we have a conference <laughs> call machine here in the middle. 
Uh, well, let's wrap wrap things up. We'll quickly touch on your year. Got uh, race talkie Thursday, Cadell Sunday. Another couple of wins before you head back to Europe. I hope so. Yeah, you know, be uh, Cadell's is one race here. Win? That, that, well, I was second last year, um, so I hope I win. But yeah, I think anyway, if I don't win or if I do win, doesn't matter. But it's been a successful start in Australia. It's been what I hoped for. So. I can go to Europe now with, um, you know, a bit of confidence and yeah, so I'm happy with that. So I've got race hockey, Cadell's, then I'll go back to Europe. Then I go from Europe to Dubai for the UAE tour. Then I've got Paris-Nice, San Remo, Depana, Giro, Tour of Belgium and Tour. Can we pause on San Remo? Just a quick one, just on that whole thing. That's a big boy calendar, isn't it? Yeah, that's a, that's a six-season pro calendar. Yeah, so yeah, I've gone from doing no grand tours to four well, in two years. He won years. half the team's races last year. He's the man. San Remo, Alex. Yeah, let's do San Remo. on that. I hope I can win what are you, San Remo. What are you thinking about San Remo? Have they changed the, par- oh, the parkour changed? No, I think the Poggio is fixed, I think. Is that, <laughs> just, all, is that just all like... I'll fix it. Just, I'll patch it up. <laughs> Italian style. Blokes <laughs> <laughs> out there in thongs and a single yeah. at midnight... They probably decide to patch it up the day before we get there. Yeah, but, but it'll, it'll be fixed. I think it's patched up now. No, no, I spoke to a few of the guys, and they said, "Yeah, it seems all right." So I think we'll see the Poggio. Are you ready for Gilbert to do the best time ever up the Poggio to get that Ooh. fifth um, yeah, monument? No, we've got, we've got Gilbert. We've got Denkolb. Forgot about that. Got he's going to be flat. He's yeah. going to be racing your teammates again. <laughs> Yeah. Outlaw Trent in 2017 or whatever it was. Um, Jesus. Oh, no. Yeah, I don't no, like no, no. Se- I'm, not, I'm not, not too worried about it at all. Um, you know, if if the race goes the way that... I probably forgot about that, the Jill Bears there. <laughs> <laughs> That's a curveball. No, no, it's not. It's not at all. It takes a lot of pressure off me that we have uh, another option in case it goes the way it went last year. Um as long as I got Big Rog with me, like he'll put me in position. So, no, like if the race is too hard, Gilbert will be there. It's not hard enough. He's not going to win. And will he be there, or will he be dragging GVA up the road? <laughs> that, that's my that's my question. <laughs> got to ask Phil that. <laughs> I can just see Please. Phil, Ali Philippe, yeah. GVA, and maybe one other just going over the top, and we've just got Gilbert just on the front. Just ripping, ripping it. it downhill. <laughs> as long as and he, he wins can it, go downhill quick. As long as he wins it, then no stress. Yeah, of course. But if he's going to take a group away, he has to win. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's oh my See, no. I'm going to say, what's his best result there? He's probably probably podiumed, surely. Yeah, I'm not Sam sure. Actually. It's not much he hasn't ticked. But, um, yeah. The win at yeah. that race. Guys, I'm just praying for a headwind on the Poggio. That's all I can hope yeah, for. Yeah, let's all hope for that. Let's all hope for that. Headwind on the podium, El Poggio. I can get over with the front guys. A few teammates in the group. A few teammates. I mean, I got, I got like Jasper de Boisi, like he climbs better than me, so he'll be there. Yeah. Phil will be there. Yeah. If he's not there, he'll be up the front somewhere. <laughs> like he'll be somewhere around there. He's, he, won't, he won't be behind me. Um, got Dengkolb. He's won it before. Um, do you have much to do with that signing? Like, do you like have no. any pull with that? Like, oh, That'd be nice, or not? He was just coming. You didn't know anything about it. Um, Yeah, I mean, he was on the market. Team had a pretty bad classic season last year. They really wanted to strengthen that part. 
Um, so yeah, they got Phil and, and John. But I think good signings. It's good, yeah, like yeah, big time. John's quite handy for you too. Mm. Yeah, John's handy for me. Yeah. He um, doesn't get pushed around in the sprint much, so he'll be he'll be good to follow. I think. Um, so I think like we've actually got a like, pretty solid team this year. We went through a bit of a transition stage last year. Classics didn't go so well. The sprints in the end it went well, um, but I think we got you know got a strong classics team this year. And those guys will be handy for me in the tour when we do lead outs as well. So, um, yeah, I'm happy with the team this year. It's really strong. Tour de France. Tour de France. Bad couple more stages. Yeah, I mean, it's going, be, it's going to be super hard this year. Just the, the course. We've got good sprinters again going. Grunewagen's not going, actually. Isn't he? Not doing Giro Vuelta. Because they've got Dumoulin. Roglic. Yeah. Um, Kreisvik, whatever it is. Yeah. So they've got so a strong GC team. Bennett. And I think they're, they're the team to rival Ineos. So no no room for a sprinter. Good news for you. Good news for me, yeah. Um, but then, you know, we've got Bennett coming in. Probably, who else? We have Garviria, I think. Yeah, sorry, he won the other day. in mm, thing. Win. So we might see him back where, where he used to be. So, yeah, it's definitely not going to be easy, but... I'll be going there in my best form possible, so I hope I can I can challenge all those guys. Is Phil Jill in the plans for the TDF, or you're not too sure? I think so. Yeah, I'm not too sure, but I'm I'm sure he will be. It'd be silly for them to leave a, a guy out like that. So much experience, and I'm looking forward to I'm looking forward to riding with him. Um, yeah, a lot of experience, and I think he'll be a, a good leader to to learn off. So. Um, yeah, well, it should be good. Thanks, Caleb. No worries. Thanks, Cambo. Thanks, Alex. Thanks to Matt for sponsoring the podcast. Let's go get some dinner. Yeah, let's do it.